everybody and salams. Welcome to episode four of the Saffron Diaries. Today we're talking about toxic culture. And before we get into that, I just want to put it out there that I'm fully aware that the word toxic itself is very toxic and it's used and over abused by today's society, especially all over social media. I'm going to give you what I read as the definition on Webster's Dictionary, and it's listed as something containing or being of poisonous material, especially when capable of causing death or serious debilitation, something extremely harsh, malicious, or harmful. I'm going to say that's pretty applicable to what we're going to be discussing, and I have to say that this was, you know, very popular in the polls. We got a lot of questions and suggestions, and we're eager to get into it. So, ladies, what is your definition of the word toxic, personally? What I think toxic culture is would probably drastically be different than, let's say, you know, the younger generation. Um, no shade, no shade to them, but from the world that I come from, something has to be um, really a big deal um, in the culture for it to be considered toxic. Nowadays, I think um, what Senna was kind of saying is that word can is really easily um, thrown around, and everyone um, uses it. Even if you know you tell your child, Go, "Can you you know clean your room?" Uh, or you you tell them, you know, this is you know what I need you to contribute to the household. You know, they might turn around and say, "Oh, mom, you're so toxic." Um, I think I think it's a scapegoat um, in some cases. Obviously, you know we will talk about like what we think are like the real deal um, t- toxic culture topics, but we just want to kind of quickly address that nowadays um, that the word itself do- toxic um, could easily be used to describe. Um, something that isn't really toxic, but is something, you know, maybe an expectation or a standard that someone might have for you. Communication, right? Communication, exactly. And, and people use it to get out of, get out, get out of that. I think we were watching a, a TikTok um, video where a daughter-in-law was talking about her mother-in-law, calling her, um, you know, very toxic and, um, all of these um, narcissists, narcissists right? all these, you know, really, really heavy um, names. But the thing is, we haven't heard from the mother-in-law's perspective, right? Was something done to her to be that way, right? What did the daughter-in-law do um, to strain that relationship? In my opinion, it takes two to tango. Um, obviously there are very naturally toxic people like, sure. um, you, you meet people and right off like their aura, you're like, Oh man, like I, I just get a really bad vibe from, from this person and the way, you know, you could be talking about a topic and they only will focus on the negativity instead of the positivity. Like they are naturally toxic people. I'm not, you know, going to sugarcoat it and say this generation is ultra sensitive and can really handle feedback. Um, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying, I think a lot of feedback gets put into, 
um, toxic feedback mm-hmm. just because sometimes people are, are little, might be a little bit too sensitive to handle it. Um, so from a culture standpoint, I think, you know, kind of talking about the mother-in-law, um, daughter-in-law relationship, um, I mean, in my, if I, you know, I'll start off with my, my culture, um, cause I think it might be very different than I think, um, Fifi and, and Sana's cultures, um, the household, like, um, you know, when there's a union between a man and a woman, that household is actually viewed as the women's household. So, um, it's, she runs it and because she runs it, her family feel most at home in her home. Um, you know, it's like sharing the kitchen with your mom, right? I mean, that's how you grew up. So naturally, um, I think the mother-in-law typically will feel in general, of course, there's some relationships that are different, um, that she's a visitor in her son's house, um, which I sounds like it's very different than, than um, what you guys kind of see in your own cultures. I wonder if the mother-in-law, may, if, if any mother-in-law is making TikTok videos, I wonder what they would, what they would make it about, depending on what culture, what generation they're from. I'd like to see what they have to say in retrospect, right? They're probably having tea parties with their, with their friends, talking, yeah. talking smack about, about the wife. But I think as, as mom, as, I was, you, as you, were, you guys were talking, I was thinking, you know, as a boy mom, right? I think we have a job here, right, to make sure that we raise boys who value, appreciate, uplift uh, women, right? So that, so that when they have um, a home of their own, um, that they are able to respect and protect their wives. Um, so as that's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna take away from this, right? Is, as what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said, their job is right. Exactly. Um, so that the mother-in-law doesn't have to feel like she has to be, you know, meddling in their household affairs if she feels like her son is taken care of and he is then taking care of his wife, then really everyone else needs to butt out, right? Happy, uh, happy, life. happy wife, happy life. I think that's as a mom, boy mom, I think that's what we need to instill in our sons. So what about the the grandmothers or you know, the mother-in-laws um, meddling in when it comes to raising the kids? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> let's get into that. That's interesting. Yeah, I think it goes back to it's not what you say, it's how you say it. I think, you know, sometimes they have good intentions. They're coming from a place of experience, from a place of love. But the message delivery is a little, mm, right? You don't want to take it. Um, you know, just nod your head. <laughs> you don't have to apply it to your life, but you don't have to give a dramatic response either. I think it's important to have that communication with your husband. As the mediator, you know, he should be able to relay that to her if she's not really understanding. And also they're your kids. So at the end of the day, it's you and your husband's job to make sure that you have the final say in decisions when it comes to them. No, absolutely. I mean, as, as you said, you know, um, I think sometimes we can read too much into someone giving us advice, right? So 
I mean, I know on my culture, like everyone's going to parent with you. Like everyone has something to say about your kids and how, you know, how, what you're doing as a mom and whether you're doing a good job or not. But I think if we change our perspective and just say, you know, they're all giving me advice in the hopes that my child gets better or whatever, right? Um, then, you know, just take it, as you said, take it with a grain of salt and just know that their intentions are, are good, hopefully, right? If yeah. it's a grandparent, they want that child to, you know, succeed, succeed and be happy and healthy and et cetera. So they're just, for me, I, I, I tend to get defensive, right? When someone gives me advice, but I'm changing that perspective to say, you know what, if their intentions are pure, yeah. it's like, I'm a fool for not taking that feedback and taking that advice, right? Now, whether I implement it or not, you know, who knows? Um, but at least be re- be accepting to receive yeah. that feedback. So I agree with, uh, with all of that. And when it comes to family and grandparents, I'm, I'm sure they mean well, right, for the kids and they want the best for them. Obviously, it's their lineage. So alhamdulillah, you know, um, we respect the elders. We take their advice uh, to heart. And, you know, inshallah, like with, uh, with the, the dean guiding us, you know, and our education and our knowledge uh, and, you know, living in this day and time, inshallah, I think that we can, you know, make much better decisions and, um, you know, choose the advice that's best for them. So if we're talking about, like, um, general top, uh, toxic issues in our culture, like, for example, how we uh, started off with that whole TikTok video and whatnot, right? So that's clearly like um, having to do with in-laws relationships and things like that, right? Without having to go too deep, you know, my take on things is that first of all, use the you use your religion to guide you, right? Our religion is not there just for show and tell. <laughs> it's it's there to give us and provide us guidance, right? Um, second thing is respect, respect, respect. Um, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter, you know, where they are. Respect is the key. You have to be respectful, right? Um, give everyone their rights. And I'm not and I'm not going to go into whole, oh, you know what, like my mother-in-law took my rights, my sister-in-law took my rights. I'm not talking about that type of, um, we're, we're not getting into that conversation here. We're just talking about like, what are some easy, simple things that we can do to kind of make, maybe even perhaps make our, you know, situation better if we are in, in certain type of um, relationships that are toxic and things like that. So make dua, use your religion to guide you communication, respect, all those things are key, right? And just know that if you are not doing anything wrong, if you're not doing anything haram, you know, then don't worry. Don't worry. If you're doing the right thing and you're doing it respectfully, don't don't stop and overthink anything. I think you're just making it more complicated. And and I know it's easier said than done. But again, you know, the bottom line is if at, and if at the end of the day, if we're doing things to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I think everything falls in place. So, you know, again, using the religion to guide you, being respectful, um, you know, taking that approach. And just remember, it's not always about you at the end of the day. It's not always about you. And what about you, Adela? It's not about me? <laughs> really? Not today. <coughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's a really good advice to, you know, I think the, the culture we're in today is like me, 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 and what, what are you going to do for me, right? And I, I think as Muslims, 
that's not the right perspective to have. Um, but, you know, I don't want anyone to take away that they shouldn't speak their piece. I think communication is key. I think communication with your significant other of your expectations um, on how the household functions is critical, um, especially if there's going to be people <clears throat> inside the household that are not part of, you know, you and your family, right? So the, the in-laws and um, siblings and et cetera, from either side, from the wife's side or from the husband's side. I think you and your husband um, or wife um, have to be on the same page before you introduce others into that household. Um, everybody has to be clear on expectations, roles, and responsibilities. Like everything has to be discussed. I think communication is critical in this multi-generational um, families. Um, and, you know, as, as Fifi said, you know, sometimes in our, in our, you know, we have to rely on our deen, right? We have to rely on, on dua. Um, and if you're doing everything right, then you have nothing to worry about. Know that sometimes Allah tests us, right? And with every test, there's an ease that comes, right? So um, stay patient. Um, just make sure that, you know, you're not being petty, that you're not being <coughs> deceitful, Um you know, and, and inshallah, Allah will um, reward you for your patience. Um, but don't mistake my words. Speak your peace. Like, do not communicate your needs and your wants to your significant other. Your husband has a duty to give you what you need. Like, that is his duty as his wife. Um, he has, if this is his um, family that's in the household, I think he has to play the mediator to make sure that both sides, because he's the one who brought them together, right? <laughs> you guys are both there because of him. He plays a critical role in making sure that the relationship is um, healthy. So how do you both imagine your relationships to be like with your future daughter-in-laws, inshallah? Do you imagine yourself being more hands-on with their marriage, hands-off? Um, you know, our boys, you know, from this community tend to be more mama's boys. Oh, yeah, I have two boys, uh, alhamdulillah. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I honestly don't know, but uh, I would actually now kind of uh from the takeaway from what you said senna um communication you know and and both of you guys said like the boundaries right um i think i would have an honest talk with my future daughter-in-law before the wedding and be like hey let me know what are your likes and what are your dislikes i don't want to overstep you know at the same time um just because he gets married doesn't mean he's no longer he, he's no longer my son he's still my son but you know, you are his wife. So there's two very significant roles, you know, in his life. So, um, uh, one shouldn't overstep the other. I think, uh, you know, the, it's a very fine balance. So I would like to actually have that conversation and say, Hey, you know what? I, I want you to be happy. I want both of you to be happy. Um, because this is, this is a cycle of life. Um, it, it does not start and end with me. Right. So just let me know. I'm on board. Whatever, you know, makes you guys happy. As long as I think there's mutual respect on both sides. Inshallah, you know, hopefully uh, it will work for the best. I'd, I'd like to know what Abdullah, uh, what, what Abdullah has to say, though. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I, you know, I recognize that marriage is hard enough um, without having outside influences. Right. So 
I think for my for my all my four boys, Alhamdulillah, um, I, I I think I'm gonna play the similar role as my parents did, um, which is to um, stay out of out of the relationship, right? So. Um, as I said, it's hard enough with them, you know, everything they're going to have to deal with that I don't want to be um, part of that, right? Other than being supportive to both of them, honestly, the way I see it and the way it has honestly played out even in my in my marriage is that my husband's like a son to my parents. Um, and, and my hope is that who are, you know, the daughter-in-laws that come into our lives that we treat, you know, we will more certainly treat them like daughters, right? So, you know, we will protect them like we would protect if, you know, we had a daughter ourselves. So, um, yeah, so for, for me, I will only play the role that she requests um, and support him, you know, as his mom, but I, I honestly, like, girl, I'm moving back to Africa. They can, they can figure, <laughs> they can stay in this rat race and figure their lives because I'm going to retire stress-free. Like, I don't want to worry about anybody's marriages. I don't want to worry about anybody's kids. <laughs> I want to I wanna go um, and live my life. Like, I've raised my kids. I'm, I've did my time. Um, you know, I don't want to be in someone else's household meddling in their everyday business um it's their turn to figure it out same i gotta agree i want to be there for my sons and my future daughter-in-laws inshallah for my grandkids you know whatever they call on me i'll be there in a heartbeat but i'm going to respect the fact that she's the new woman in his life um meaning that she's the new queen of that castle I'm going to let her enjoy her role as I did. And I'm going to gracefully take on my new role as a mother-in-law. And I hope that she feels like she's my own daughter. Um, I think about my own relationship with my mother-in-law. And alhamdulillah, it's amazing. And that's, um, that's goals, right? I don't feel any different than her two daughters or her son, her only son, who happens to be my husband. You just got to keep the respect, um, have your boundaries, and... Just gracefully take on your new role so that everybody's happy at the end of the day. Okay, so we know our stance on this, but let's get into the second half of this conversation. And we have our very first special guest with us here today, Yosef Fariyad. He is a life and fitness coach, a father of two, and a humanitarian. He's also a good friend. Welcome, Yosef, and thank you so much for joining us. We're excited to hear the male's perspective on all this. Can you give everyone a little background about yourself? I would love to. First, uh, thank you and ladies for inviting me. It's an incredible opportunity. I'd love to share all of my ideas and my thoughts with you. Uh, my name is Yosef Ferrier. I run a uh, wellness and nutrition company um, where I do personal training, wellness, and also mediation. I am happily divorced maybe for six or seven years now. I have two young boys. Um, and that's about it. And I'm here to answer all of your questions. Um, and we'll go from there. No holding back. No holding back. <laughs> awesome. So before we jump into the questions that we received, let's hear your definition of the word toxic. In my opinion, also toxic has been used and abused and overused. Um, it's been the word of 2022. 
and hopefully it doesn't lead too much into the 2023. In my opinion, toxic is really the absence of boundaries. Um, when we don't set proper boundaries, we tap into that toxic and that's really where maybe pain comes from. And I think one of the young ladies also mentioned about communication. When we don't share what we have, everyone has boundaries. When we don't share those boundaries by communicating, it bleeds into the toxic and that's what hurts people's feelings. So I think this toxicity and what people are feeling are hurt. So I know toxic in-laws are one of the popular um, suggestions for this topic to discuss. So we want to hear from you, Yosef. What are some ways that men in our community especially can set these boundaries with their families to make sure that, you know, both parties are happy? This is a super hot topic. Um, men need to understand that the people that live in his four walls, which are his wife and the kids or the potential kids coming, are number one. Um, once we put our family first, which is that uh, immediate family, not the extended family, not our mom and dad and um, XYZ, it's our immediate family, knowing that their needs come first, uh, that they're your number one priority, um, knowing that and putting them first, I think will set the precedence for everything else. Um, once we understand that our wife is not somebody that we are against, she's our partner, she is our teammate, and really the kids are kind of the players in the game too. And the stronger our team is, the stronger everything is gonna be, whether it comes to God, whether it comes to money, whether it comes to family, the stronger our unit is, the stronger everything else is gonna be. Absolutely, I love that. Okay, so let's move on to our next question. It's going to get a little personal, but let's talk divorce in the community. Um, someone asked, can you speak about life after divorce and the taboo of it, especially for women, but from a male's perspective? So I think that is probably one of the biggest questions in our community. Uh, I want to say that Islamically, women have the haq or like the right to divorce. And even though culturally it may look bad or the stereotype is that it looks bad, uh, sure, it might look bad, but we have our whole life and we only have one life to live on this earth. So we want to live it as peacefully and as happily and as healthy as we can. And we need to take that into consideration, especially if we have children, uh, because as a parent or as a mom and a dad, you are the role model. So whatever you do, they're going to mimic that. So we want to take that into consideration highly. When it comes to divorce moms and divorce dads, I think also they need to understand that, hey, it's not the end of the world. Love is there. There's, what, 7 billion people, I think, on this earth, or maybe 8 billion. Whatever billion it is, one of them is for you. If one of them is not for you, two of them, three of them. May God give you all of them, but mm -hmm. one of them is for you, and maybe it wasn't our current ex-spouse, but that's okay. We're going to keep trying. Love is there. Um, you have a right to love, you're allowed, God has given you a heart to use it. For sure, I agree. I mean, it's better for children, in my opinion, to see two happy, healthy parents separated rather than two toxic parents together for the sake of them, right? You're doing them way more harm than good. So now let's talk about toxic cultural norms from generations before us that were displayed. How has this generation worked to have healthier marriages and incorporate things that were so shameful 
for them and so toxic. Things like intimacy. Um, why is there such a shame associated with it in our communities, especially? Because we grew up in such a generationally lacking intimacy life, basically. We saw our parents didn't have any type of anything of mahabbat, I think it's called, or love or romance, no hugs, no kisses, no like spanks on the butt or whatever it is. Nothing at all like that. So we will mimic that in our current relationships, thinking like, no, we don't show PDA or we don't show hugs and affection and these things, but we have to. Uh, our partners need it. Um, love is something, I think maybe even Arabic, we say ityaj, which means there's a need. Uh, our kids need love, our spouses need love, and we have to be there for that. Because if you are not there for that, someone else will be. Um, and as we know, side note, social media is very much there. So if you step, misstep, somebody is there. Click away. One click away, opening up your DMs. Um, but that's sliding into your DMs. And so we know that that's there. But the bigger point is to communicate that, hey, I need this. When you come home, I need you to hug me. When we go to sleep, I need you to give me a good night kiss and a hug. And if you sleep on your side of the bed, it's okay. But we need to communicate that. And if we have that communication, then it's going to be very smooth. But if we don't, and it's night after night of no hugs and no kisses, that could create resent. And resent is basically the lack of communication and fulfilling that. Because talk, we can talk about it, but we need do. We need the do and we need the action behind it. Because talk is nice, but um, we have to fulfill and if we don't fulfill it, that resentment creates a, a gap or a drift, I guess, um, a rift in a relationship. And that could just cause some other things that you, we don't even want to get into. But it's just smoother to talk about it. I'm not about the PDA in front of people. I think be a gentleman in the streets and a freak in the sheets or a lady in the streets and a whatever in the sheets and do that in the privacy of your own home. And they, we need that. We need that love. We need that affection, both as men and women. Um, women are allowed. They're allowed to have affections. They're allowed to do all the adult things that men have, you know, that we stereotypically say, oh, men just want this. And women want that too. They deserve that. We should give that to them. And the, I think the biggest thing that many people lack, I think, in a relationship is understanding that when our partner is happy, we're happy. It's not about happy life. Right. Why should there be shame when it comes to a halal marriage, right? Like, Come on, your husband and wife, you both deserve happiness and love. And if you want to display that and put your pride aside, then great. That's honestly key. Because the stronger and happier that partner is, our whole family will be happier. But if she is sad, I can promise you and assure you, she will bring everybody down. Mm -hmm. Sure, the man is the man of the house. But the woman is a queen. And as we know in chess, the queen, <laughs> see? The, the queen in the chess game can move in all of the directions. The king can only go in one step at a time. He can barely do anything. The queen goes everywhere. I don't know if you all are familiar with chess, but that's how it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm, I'm not biased. I'm, I'm serious, guys. Are you taking notes? Because some of y'all really should be. Um, but you're speaking facts. I mean... I gotta agree wholeheartedly. 
So how would you say social media plays a huge role in this toxic behavior where everybody's comparing themselves and nothing's ever good enough, nobody's grateful anymore, you always want more, like you want all of it, everything that you see. What's your take on that? So first off, I have to share that I feel like social media is death. It creates such a poison in our lives, in our marriages, in business relationships and personal relationships. It doesn't help. In the At the end of the day, it does not help. Why? Because that's what we're doing. We're comparing. I think we're also talking about this offline as well. You know, it's Christmas time. We're going to be taking those Christmas pictures with the matching pajamas in front of the Christmas tree. Whether we're Muslims that do Christmas or Muslims that do not do Christmas, that is your thing. Uh, Don't judge me for it. But the pictures are coming. Thanksgiving pictures are coming and all these things. And now we're going to compare, wow, look at her hair. Look at him. He's so amazing. Look at their kids. They're so, they have great adab. But then you don't know what goes on behind the pictures. You don't know what he, the husband, has said to the wife or the kids, you know, you bribery or whatever it is that they, has to happen for this one picture so you can see on social media for whatever the reason and, oh, Merry Christmas from my family to your family. But how much of a family are we? Do we eat dinner together? Do we pray together? Do we do cool things together? Who knows if any of those things exist, but you think they do. Because we're wearing striped pajamas and it looks so cute. MashaAllah for you. That's great. That I is going to kill our relationship. Why? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that picture and I'm going to go home and do the exact same thing. But I'm going to make my diamond bigger than yours. My husband or wife or whatever it is is going to be cooler, smooth, whatever it is that you're looking for, better. My kids are going to have more adab. Somehow you'll see this adab in the pictures. But it's, that's, that is destruction. The second we start comparing is the higher the comparison, the less the gratefulness, the less gratitude. Blessings don't come that way. I feel that God has given every family, every person their own blessings. The second that we look to our neighbor and start counting their blessings, I feel like God is simply taking away from ours. Why? Because we're not, we're not grateful. Thank God for this house. Thank God for this beautiful computer, this beautiful house. It's got like five billion rooms in it. Alhamdulillah for that. Who cares what your neighbor has? May God give more to them. If we have a more life of gratitude, I feel we'll really enjoy those Christmas pictures. And it'll be real pictures that we actually love each other and we actually have adab and we actually have all these things. That's my thing. That comparison, that social media, don't believe it. If that's a thing, we have that part of me. So the number one thing that I do tell a young lady or gentleman that is struggling with anxiety, cut the social media. We need to time it. If it's a 30 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, whatever it is, we need to cut it because you have this, uh, FOMO, this fear of missing out or this YOLO. Oh my gosh, look at them. They've got the Lamborghini. You have no idea what they've done for that Lamborghini or whatever it is. You don't know where this is coming from. Don't go there. Don't go there. Cause once you open that door, it's a world of hurt, pain, and it's not, it's not good. And if we're talking about Dean, oh, don't even go there because that's the number one thing. You feel that God has not given you enough. And that's probably, he's not going to give you any more. I'm very sure he's not going to give you any more than that. I agree. I think a lot of the toxic behaviors stem from social media for this generation, at least, um, aside from, you know, what we took from the previous generations. I'm talking, you know, Everybody has access in the palm of their hands now to 
the entire world and you're mindlessly scrolling and you see all these different people living their lives or their best lives that they put at the forefront of IG or TikTok, whatever social platform you're on. But you got to keep in mind that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And you have to remind yourself that nobody's going to put their weak moments or their hardest moments on blast all the time, right? There might be some vulnerable um, moments where some people may have and feel comfortable enough to share. But for the most part, they're not going to make themselves <laughs> seem like they're miserable. And in my opinion, you attract what you are. So the more grateful that you are, the more blessings that Allah, that God will, will bestow upon you. And on that note, I hope that you've all gained some sort of valuable insight from this and I hope we've answered your questions to the best of our abilities based on our personal experiences and knowledge um, at the end of the day we're all human we're doing our best and we're all one Ummah, one community and I hope that you know that this brings you some comfort at least thank you so much Yusuf for joining us and if you have anything else to say so I, I do want to say thank you for this opportunity um, if I've said anything out of line or somehow we do not connect, that's totally okay. I speak of a background of counseling, marriage counseling, personal therapy. I've read a handful of books just to understand the whys and the hows of relationships work, not in just my own, but in also the counseling that I give. If I've said anything out of line, hopefully you can forgive me, but if we're on t online, that's the best. Uh, it's a sweetest compliment to be invited here, so I thank you all for listening, and maybe I'll get to see you sooner than later. So thank you again. And thank you. And thank you to all who participated in the polls and those who are tuning in. Until next time, salam.